I think that that's kind of what we're trying to embrace, but that comes with leadership training and effectiveness to say like, and not in a weird way, but you have permission to do that. This is the time to empower people because there's still a lot to do if you're not just onboarding. Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast, where founders and business leaders talk about how they built a company culture that is so incredible, their employees brag about it. Our show aims to inspire you as you build a Bragworthy culture of your own. Culture building is philosophical and practical, and you'll find both discussed here. Grab a pen and a notebook. We're about to drop some knowledge. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us. Here's your host, Jordan Peace. All right, welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. This is your host, Jordan Peace. And today, we're all very fortunate to get to sit down with Sherry Kelleher. Sherry is the Senior Vice President of People and Success uh, at Incorda. I struggle with that sentence a little bit. (laughs) Sherry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jordan. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited too. We had a great prep call and then we started chit-chatting before we started recording and we got ourselves going so much I had to be like, stop, press record so we can get this, <laughs> get this thing out there in the world. But I'm going to talk a little bit about Encorda and then, you know, really, you know so much more than I do. Please take what I say, expound upon that and tell us a little bit more in your words about what you all do. But the tagline is this, Encorda provides a unified data and analytics platform that makes it quick and easy to unlock the full potential of data and multiple complex source systems. So you're gonna have to define what that means to me. By eliminating traditional data transformation, modeling and aggregation steps, Encorda makes the 100% of data instantly ready for analysis. So prepackaged data apps for common business applications that make it easy to prepare data for analysis. So all about data analysis. So Sherry, in your own words, can you talk a little bit about just kind of what your core customer uses you guys for in terms of your core product? Because I know there's probably more to it than that, but let's just say <laughs> core and core. Core and core, yeah. yeah. So it is about data access and the way that people have traditionally accessed data goes through many different fields and it's a hard thing to get exactly what you need. And so our ability to access data is unimaginably fast access to the insight. And so our platform is ridiculously fast and and trusted accuracy. And we've worked, Incorn has been around for seven years. And so we've really perfected it in order to provide a deeper analysis, faster insight to lead to smarter decisions. And so even my group, People Success, you know, we use Encorda and we use that to get information on attrition and what do we want to know, you know, what's regrettable, what isn't, right? So we know people leave, but like we also hold people to a high standard and we drive performance. And so when we're like, hey, this many people left, how much of that was regrettable, right? And so there's more ways to access data. And then when we have that, the regrettable attrition, that leads to us to look to new initiatives and things like that. So it's almost like curious data will allow you to scale. And if you can get it fast, like right now, that's when you need it. And so even bigger companies, 10,000 person companies, like how many people do you have right now? Well, they don't know, because it depends. Someone's leaving, is coming in, you know? And so 
were able to do it unimaginably fast. Wow, that's awesome. And uh, data is absolutely critical, you know, yeah. going forward. Well, hey, good for you. I just asked you to be sales and marketing and your people in success. And you nailed that. I will say from my own experience, what holds me back the most from tapping into any data is all of those fields and how long I think it's going to take me to build a report that I even remotely believe that is accurate. And so I often just go, oh, I'll just kind of go with my gut and move on and miss so much, right? That's how we've always done it. Mentality doesn't yeah. allow you to a little bit further or drill down deeper, right? Because it takes a long time. Yeah. And so this is a ridiculously fast. And then you're like, hey, what if I add this in there, right? And then you've got a new initiative. You've got better data. You know exactly what you need to do to drive some you know, different behaviors. And so it's phenomenal. That's awesome. Well, let's transition. Let's take a hard right turn into the people side of your company. Obviously, our podcast is called Radworthy Culture, <laughs> right? So we want to learn about your culture, learn about how it was built, how it is sustained, what you're most proud of about your culture, all of those good things. And you're, I think, the perfect person at Encorda to share that with us. Perusing the website, I wanted to start here. I think it's always a good place to start. I came across your values. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. In some ways, your values are really, really simple. Just four words, think, act, be, love, right? And then there's more that you're gonna expound on. But one of the things that just, I'll make a comment to start out, that one thing that I found is that besides think, there's a question. How does your mind work? Besides act, there's a question. How do you respond to your environment? And I really enjoyed this idea of when I read the values, I'm prompted to think about me I'm prompted to think about, yeah, who am I and what am I like and how's my brain working? It's a, a very engaging way to talk about values, but but I'll kick yeah. that to you. I'd love to hear kind of how that was, how those were created and how you think those are kind of playing out in your company with your employees. Absolutely. So I've been at Incorda for a year and a half and my CEO is new too. So he's been here, you know, three months longer than I have. And so Incorda has been around for a while. We have a founding CEO that is our CTO now, huge visionary, absolutely incredible. And then we brought in Scott Jones and then Scott brought in me and we didn't have a head of HR before that. I met with both of them and I was planning to take a little time. I was like, I'm just going to take a little breather. You know, as I've been with a company that went public and I was like, take a little breather. And I talked to them. I was like, I'll see you tomorrow. Like, absolutely. These guys were incredible. I could tell that they aligned with my values of putting people first and really being deliberate. And when I got here and maybe it's my ADD kicking in here, Jordan, but like our values were cool. It was like three paragraphs, like be innovative for the company. Think about blah, blah, blah. It, it was a story, right? Yeah. And it yeah. was cool, but like, I was like, it didn't come trippingly off of my tongue by a mile. And so at one point, you know, maybe nine months in, I said, hey, Scott, can we redo our values? Because it's a lot for me to remember. And so he was like, absolutely. And we had formed early on a core team and that's our in Corta. It's a core round table where we take thought leaders from different areas of the company and real, you know, culture ambassadors. And we meet with Scott once a month, um, Scott and myself, and we talk about what's going on, what do you hear and what should we do? So we took this team and we said, hey, we're gonna redo our values. And we read through the paragraphs and, and we were like, oh, you know, we could almost reduce this to three words, like mm. think, act and be. And then we elaborated on that by doing some surveying and, and reaching out, you know, to people and like think innovation, think about customers, think about the impact, right? 
and solutions. This is what we do. Act intentionally, respectfully, passionately, you know, be a leader, lead, because that's who we hire and who we are. And then we thought be, you know, then this is an important one, you know, be inclusive and be present and authentic and be one team. So we have a big group of employees in Egypt, over 200. And so it's a really different way of working. And so we wanted to bring it in and have this one in Corda mentality that we've been working toward. And so we, how we said, yeah, think, act, and be. And then we were talking and I said to my CEO, he's a really great guy. I said, is it weird to add love at the end? And he's like, I love it, you know, because we yeah. love our people and we love our community and the customers and what we do and the passion. And so we said, okay, think, act, be in love. And then we did word clouds with all of these different things and you can act innovative, right? You can think respectfully. So a lot of these words really encompass these four values really. And then I was kind of, you know, socializing this with a few people at our KO event. And one of my colleagues, who's brilliant, said, Sherry, those acronyms think, act, be, love, that stands for table, right? Mm -hmm. And really kind of bringing it home for us to say, like, how do you bring people to your table, right? You invite them, you welcome them, you know, and yeah. that's like for a meal or something like that. So it had all of these different things just yeah. came together and it was truly organic. We didn't bring someone in to help with our values. We listen to our people. And so it was a cool initiative and we have more to come in terms of a campaign around it. How do we bring that into everything as just baseline behavior? Right. None of this was hard or nothing's new under the sun, right? So right. it's just like, how do we operate as baseline behavior? And that's it. And it hit the mark and our company, they yeah. loved it and we do too. Well, it's so palatable too. I mean, I think having that long form is good in terms of like, if I'm a founder of a company and I'm trying to get my heart on the page, it's probably going to come out in more than four words, right? But that narrative format is not necessarily helpful for every single employee that's trying to remember what the values are and live by them. Cause it's like, that's just too much. So you guys kind of culling that down and making it simple, I'm sure was really effective. It was, and we've had a, a really good time, like, like kind of creating a marketing campaign around it because a lot of the, again, the baseline traits, they resonate with all of those words, be intentional, be respectful or be inclusive. It was just cool. And we just kind of like narrowed it down to where we could all rally behind it. And then adding the love was so important and heartfelt to that core team. And we were like, we love that, that we're a company that stands behind love as a core value and really loving our community and giving back. And, you know, as we look into the future, you know, these are really important to people entering the workforce, right? And so yeah. we wanted to be able to say that like, and live that it's important to us as well. Yeah, it's amazing to me how quickly in our culture we've gone from completely separating the personal and the emotional versus the professional and the high logical. And it's gotten blended and really not just sort of unintentional, but like intentionally blended together with words like love showing up in a values doc, which is already also in the company that I lead. We also have love in there. And it's just yeah. neat to see how quickly our culture has progressed towards this. And I think it creates a completely different work environment than how things used to feel like I need to put on like my work face and go to work and then I can go home and take that off and be me again. That doesn't scale, Jordan, right? Like you are yeah. who you are. And yeah, so right. your company gives you permission to be who you are here. Yeah. 
then you don't have to have this transformation every 10 hours. I mean, you get to be intentional and and authentic. And I think it builds a lot of trust. And so, you know, it just seemed, it was a fun initiative that we just came up with and it really organically just came together in a way that didn't feel like work. It felt fun and it felt authentic. And I think as we look at priorities going into the future, I wrote a, a blog on, you know, putting people first, right? That was important for us as we were recognized as a best workplace. And person first experiences are one of the big drivers for, you know, 2003. So if people want their organization to see them as a person and not just an employee, and it's right. super important, you know, right. and so feeling a little bit ahead of that curve. Well, yeah. we've got some work to do, right? Because yeah. we said it and we are going to live it. So how do you do that? And so I, I think it's really cool. We all have a lot of work to do. So speaking of the future, so you mentioned before that you had an employee survey that went out. I think the second yeah. one since you've been in your role. Love to hear about that, especially in light of, you know, this is not necessarily like the most exciting economic moment, right? There's a lot, of, there's potentially a lot of fear, both personally and people actually fearing for their jobs, right? Potent, which and for good cause. There's a story of layoffs every single day when you open no. open the newspaper digitally or physically. So, how did that survey go? And kind of what what do you guys what did you even focus on with that survey? What kind of questions were you asking? Oh God, it's such a great question. So when I first came on board, within the first 30 days, we launched a survey and we had of HR. And we got I know where you're at, right. So we launched a survey and the results were good. They were good. I mean, I think our, our engagement was pretty high, like 75%. And then we were able to kind of drill down, like, what do people really want to do to move the needle? So we didn't just say, oh, hey, at my other company, we did blah, 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 which is always like my pet peeve. But we said, let's ask people what they want. But then we had to walk the walk. Like, what do you want? You want transparency and roles and responsibilities. And you know, as a startup, you wear a lot of hats, right? And right. so we had to really look at, first of all, we're like a peewee soccer team where everyone just wants to get the ball in the net. But then right. it's kind of assign roles and just get some swim lanes going, but not completely. We don't have 10,000 employees, right? So. Getting some clarity around roles and responsibilities and that recognition. And then we did the survey again a year later and the results were even higher. Like I was humbled by the feedback, but like I said, we still have a lot of work to do because certain things that people wanted, we were able to do. And we put in a lot of processes and there was a ton of change. And I have so much respect for this organization for embracing it because it's not easy. And we new CEO, new head of HR. It was like, we got to perform or they won't trust us. And so the, you know, the results of the survey were, I mean, it, every single category went up by at least nine points, right? Which was unheard of for me, but still it was like the comments and the feedback were like, we need more process. You know, at some point you can't say, do what you think is right. Cause we all have a different view of that. Right. So we don't want to be like red tape and here's the process for process. So kind of striking the balance, different cultures need different things and recognizing that. And I think the big takeaway for Scott and I was transparency in change and saying, look, here's what we need to do and getting that feedback. This is the two B state. Do we need to build a bridge to get there or can we get there now? You know, and, and those things. And, and I think that because of the uncertainty, the economic uncertainty, right? People get a little crazy. So you have to be really deliberate about 
hey, let me talk to you about this. And sometimes you might not be able to say like, and we're all going to agree, like maybe we can't. And so you say, look, right. this is what we're going to do. But people are typically okay with the outcome of certain decisions, mm. but they want to understand the methodology. Like, how did you get there? Why did you decide that? And so I think that that's been a key differentiator for us is just understanding the why and not just like, because I said so. <laughs> we wouldn't do that. That's not putting people first, right? So, right, right. Yeah. Just trust so, me. Yeah. Yeah. And so we had a good survey. We were, you know, our internal NPR score was great. But the message was we still have a lot of work to do because we only picked three things because we didn't mm -hmm. want to boil the ocean. And so right. these three things are better, but they're not right yet. Right. And right. these are going to move the needle. So it's never settling, really. Right. You know, but then asking for the feedback is super important. Yeah, I'd imagine too, I'm trying to do the math. So when you came in, we're in the middle of kind of the height of COVID, maybe <laughs> probably there was transitioning from like offices to fully remote. And so people were just kind of getting used to that. So I'd imagine a lot, but I don't want to put words in your mouth, but has a lot of your focus in the last 18 months been around trying to help people find a new normal in this sort of totally separated Zoom world? Yeah, you know, when I came on board, like I didn't even meet with anyone in person because it was right. so in the midst of COVID, right? And then it was like, hey, people can come back, but what are the what are the hazard levels and what's the safety right. around that? And we were lucky enough to be able to be fully remote and we did well. But you can't measure how much better we would have done, you know, so that no, was hard. And then we said, like, are we gonna have people come back to the office? And then we're like, no, we're gonna meet people where they're at because things have changed. And so I, as a mother, right, I appreciated being able to hear my kids when they got home from school. And so, and other people too, like they might have childcare situation or so, a lot of things changed in the, we're going home for two weeks that turned into 18 months and, and then years, you know? So I think we said, no, we're meet people where they're at. Understanding that that in-person collaboration is super important and the Zoom fatigue is super important. And we've talked about this time management in one of our Leadership Matters. We have a Leadership Matters series that we're doing. And if I were at work, I'd stop by your office door and I'd be like, hey, can I run this by you? Because it's yeah. collaborative and it's fun and it's information and I trust yeah. that. Like, but I'm like, hey. Jordan, do you have time to get on a Zoom with me? And you know, like, right. so it's more deliberate. And they're like, really, you waste my time to say, should I put this on letterhead or whatever it is? You right. know? So it's way more deliberate, you yes. know? And so then understanding, like, what are the tools, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you can Slack and say, I want to run something by you. You can get there. It just takes a little bit more planning that we're not used yes. to, but that, or, Let's all agree to come in as manager. Let's come in once a week or let's rally around once every couple of weeks. Let's get together. So you kind of have to do a workaround in order to get what we think we might be missing. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So that's the last 18 months. Looking ahead to the next 18 months, again, economic downturn. I'd imagine if you're like almost any company in the world, you're not hiring quite as many people as you were, say a year ago or nine months ago. So as a VP of people and success, when there's less work going on on the recruiting side, where have you turned your attention? How are you spending a lot of your time? And I would ask this in the vein of remembering that there are people listening that really want to know what they ought to be doing 
right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's really for their benefit, I ask. You know, yeah, well, there was like the great resignation, right? And so you're yeah. super focused on like, oh my God, the talent, the candidate experience has to be great. We're bringing people in. And I, I think for one thing that has shifted to the employee experience because yes. you want to keep those top performers that you have. So that's one area of focus. I think it sounds like trite or whatever, but like organizational excellence, because look, if our headcount is going to go up by 10% or remain flat in certain areas, do we have the right people in the right jobs? Mm -hmm. And if we don't, and this is the next initiative, how can we provide some effective leadership training, skill set training, and things like that? So I think that those three things for me would be the focus and probably starting with manager training and leadership training sadly you know you hire so quickly in that bubble and some people haven't managed before but you know jordan you could probably talk you could probably tell me you know oh i had this guy this person of my best leader i learned so much and so how do we teach our people to have some of those skills right. to be able to be that great mentor have different situational leadership styles when they don't know you don't have to know everything. I mentioned Jomo before, experience it. Don't go to every meeting, you know, help yourself out. But really having real discussions to give them the autonomy and empowerment to say like, here's what I'm gonna do for my team. Tell explain to those listening that acronym. Which one? Jomo. Oh, sorry, that's the joy of missing out. And I, I stole that it. from my friends at Open Comp where we talked about FOMO, the fear of missing out, and then as it relates to too many meetings and Zoom fatigue, they use <laughs> that coined this Jomo phrase that I absolutely adore because I'm like the joy, like, oh, really? I don't have to go to that meeting? Like, how great. And then <laughs> my colleague is like, oh, hey, here's what we talked about. And it might be a different approach. They're stretching, I'm learning, like I'm getting their information, yeah. you know, and the decision might've been made that didn't involve me and it is spot on. And so, right. I think that that's kind of what we're trying to embrace, but that comes with leadership training and effectiveness to say like, and not in a weird way, but you have permission to do that. This is the time to empower people because there's still a lot to do if you're not just onboarding. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine, and I'm speaking from experience here, so I, instead of putting that on you, I'll just speak it from my own <laughs> perspective, right? So when you slow down as we have with hiring right now for the moment, as yeah. you slow down, it means that your pipeline shrinks, and which means that it's going to take you longer to pull somebody in the door if you need to pull somebody in the door, which means that keeping your people, especially your top performers, is even more important than in any other season because replacing them would be hell, right? Yeah. So my question is, how do you keep your top people? That is the final question because we, we need to start to wrap up here. But... Oh, I've loved every single of this. I'm going to just say it depends. No, I'm kidding. In our culture, so Egypt had a really different way of working than the US or the UK or Canada, you know, and so we wanted to make like one in Corda. And so in Egypt, it was quarterly graded reviews, like really kind of a little bit old school, you know, yeah. kind of the check the box initiative when it becomes so many people, but they did a great job. And so we wanted to kind of piggyback off of that, but, but not make it quite so tell me about your communication skills. And so we shifted that to quarterly check-ins that do include career development goals. What's the best thing that you did last quarter? Were you able to meet your OKRs? What could be different? What do you need to do that great thing again? Right. Challenges and just five deliberate questions 
portal yeah. each that's captured, not always rating. So we don't rate it every time at the end of the year. Yes. And then alongside that, we do at the executive team level, a twice per year, nine box exercise. And we do that so that we can, and it's non-biased. So we ask a bunch of questions about each person or have their a director level and above answer these questions. And then we populate the nine box based on that, you know, scoring of those questions. And so, and then we calibrate with them, you know, but then being able to say like, whoa, these are the top talent. These are the ones to watch. And it's not like, oh my God, let's throw some money at them. But it's like, let's know them and mm -hmm. see what makes them tick. And this is not here, but at, in another life, we had someone who was a really good individual contributor and yeah. he wanted to pick her daughter up from school every day at three o'clock. That was super important to her. She would come in at seven, she would get it. And we never wavered. And at that particular company, there wasn't really a work from home policy and right. we kind of extended it to her. And so figuring out what's important to her, right? What career, what training do you want? What succession do you want? Do you want to do a speaking engagement? Can you come and, and talk to the executive team and get that recognition? You know, so really focusing on the top talent and then also, you know, the emerging top talent and the key okay. players. But being able to say the business detractors, we need to either give them skill set training or help them be awesome somewhere else because nobody wants to suck. We know that and we go have, we hire great people. But if for some reason it's not meeting the mark, this would create a new initiative for us or it would help us identify like what's not working here. Right. So that's been pivotal for us is just kind of getting real about asking questions or having your colleagues ask questions, answer questions that are important to them. If I say my most important thing was something my boss has never heard about, well, good for me. He should hear about that because it's important to me. So right. try to be more deliberate. <laughs> I'm not yep. going to lie to you, Jordan. We iterate it every quarter. We're like, that one's not really cutting it. So we've been doing it for about four quarters and we kind of maybe nailed it a little bit. But um, again, we always have work to do. You know? I love the humble brag. We maybe nailed it a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, we nailed it better than the first quarter is what I right. meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got to nail it again. Yeah. It was really interesting to me. I just learned something from you that you didn't even intend to teach me. I ask you, how do you keep top talent? And the first part of your answer was how you identified them to begin with. <laughs> and then you answered the, which is so important because I skipped that step in my mind. I just presumed because I run a relatively small company, right? We're about 70 people that I know who they are, right? But the more you scale, your CEO is not just going to know <laughs> you've got to identify them, right? I could, I'm like, if this list is surprising to us, yeah. we should double click on it. It's probably the people in the top talent category, it can't be 50% of the company, you're right. Everyone's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like you probably know, but, but when you ask questions and don't just ask people to put them in the box, right. that create, that's a little bit of bias because you're like, this guy has been here long and he's awesome. But then you ask questions that are behavior based and then, you know, working based, like skill set based. Oh. And you come up with a little bit more fair assessment. Yeah. And again, we almost nailed that too. Then we iterate that right. one too. Like, mm, this is weird. People would answer this differently. So yeah, just to make sure that, that everyone's like, these people have a towering. Most people in the company are like, oh yeah, that person is awesome. And then these up and comers, oh yeah. And even the people that are like your key employees that are right in the middle, you know, maybe they just started. You're like, I can't wait to see them up there, you know, that sort of thing. So, and we're about 400, so still okay. manageable 
it yeah. won't scale unless we absolutely do nail those questions. <laughs> right. Yeah, you must. Well, that is awesome. I just learned a lot right there. I really appreciate it. And I so appreciate your time. I wish I always feel like I chat for like 30 minutes and I'm like, I have this, I got one sixth of the questions now that I wanted to, <laughs> a, to ask. So maybe some other time we can have you back. Maybe we could kind of, like you said, double click down on something like you know, performance or identifying top talent, like something very more narrow might be interesting so that you can share some of your expertise more narrowly with our audience. Yeah, it would be my absolute pleasure. It's been really great to meet you and your team. And this is my second time I've ever done this. And oh, so really? I'm always like nail biter, but I appreciate you making me feel so comfortable and, and kind of teeing up the, the questions. It's a pleasure to talk to you and your team, Jordan. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening. Once again, this has been Sherry Kelleher of Encorda. I'm sure you could reach out to her on LinkedIn, say hello, introduce yourself, get some advice if you need it or want it or both. But thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us.